Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. And uh, Lord, as we study your word together, Father, we just always ask that you would be with us. Uh, we just ask that um, you would really open up our, our eyes so that we may see, uh, open up our ears so we may hear your truth. And uh, Father, we just pray that um, you just really uh, let your words enter into our hearts. Uh, help us to be the, the fertile soil for the, the seed for, for you to plant always, Lord, uh, that we may be uh, receptive and uh, just honor you this morning as we study your word together. We praise you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I chose Psalm 23, and uh, Sue Man has already done Psalm 23, so he did it first. And, um, you know, uh, when Sue Man talked about Psalm 23, he talked about it being a psalm of comfort, and I most certainly agree with that. So, um, you know, when we first started this, uh, Psalm 23 was one of my favorite psalms as well. So I did want to uh, to do Psalm 23. But uh, but again, you know, I'm just going to uh, kind of pick up the pieces where uh, or pick up where Sue Man left off. So, uh, you know, Hyun and I talked about Psalm 23 the other day. Maybe he'll do it too. Who knows? But um, it's a psalm written by David, and uh, it's very similar to the less popular Psalm 16. So let's go ahead and uh, without further ado, let's get into it. So I'm going to read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So uh, let me start by saying that my first Bible was an old King James translation Bible. It is almost all Bibles were back then. And I remember reading the first verse of this psalm and feeling confused. It read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It always sounded to me like David was rejecting the Lord. Actually, when I was a young boy, I questioned my Bible study teachers about this verse and got some confusing answers. I think some of them were confused by this verse as well. Thankfully, the NIV translation helps us by adding, I shall not be in want. That's actually, I guess, the old NIV. Uh, <clears throat> the new NIV says, uh, I lack nothing, which clarifies the meaning of the verse. A uh, shepherd is a, a common symbol of a king. So with the Lord or Jesus as our king, we're not lacking or wanting anything more. This beginning verse sets the tone for the rest of the psalm as David describes all that he receives from the Lord. As David walks with the Lord, he describes each of these things in detail, which help us to understand why he doesn't want or lack anything more. On verse 2, David starts by saying that the Lord meets his physical needs. David's original job was being a shepherd, and he draws a comparison to God being our shepherd in verse 1. He compares himself to being one of the sheep in this verse, uh, laying down in green grass and 
walking beside quiet water sounds peaceful to me as a man, but it makes a lot more sense if it's met from a sheep's perspective. Of course, sheep need green grass to eat and water to drink to live. They need a pasture or open area to graze in, but they also need safety. For sheep, they're not able to defend themselves and their only method of defense is to run away. This means that they constantly need to be on their feet, alert, and ready to start running as soon as danger is near. So for sheep to lie down, as verse 2 says, they have to feel very safe and comfortable that no danger is present anywhere. So to lie down on the ground is more than just a feeling of safety, but also of peace. So David is saying that his physical needs are met, along with the fact that he feels a sense of peace, comfort, and safety with the Lord watching over him as a shepherd. This combination of having his physical needs met along with this peace from God restores or refreshes David's soul, as he says at the beginning of verse 3. I was reflecting on this verse and asked myself, when do I feel refreshed? What makes you feel refreshed? I think it's this ah moment when some needs are met in a big way, like when I'm really thirsty and I drink a tall glass of some cool lemonade or when I find out some big task that I've been worrying about is done and I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's when the elements are back in balance and suddenly everything that was wrong or deficient before is now back in perfect harmony. It's when I realize that everything really is going to work out okay. I don't have to stress about it anymore. God refreshes David's soul like this. The Lord also guides us along the right paths. So I believe the paths mentioned here are the choices that determine our future. And the Lord helps us to make choices that are noble and just. As long as we stay on these right paths, our feet will not stumble. It certainly doesn't mean that they'll be the easiest paths, but they're the ones that are good for us and will honor the Lord. And we know this because in the second part of the verse, David recognizes that it is for his or God's namesake. When David mentions walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or by my old older NIV version says in verse four, I can only imagine the scariest of scary places. I think about horror movies that I've seen where the main character is surrounded by a surrealistic scene of terror where his or her life is in immediate danger from monsters, demons, or other paranormal uh, entities. But David's life was in real danger many times. Even as a young shepherd, he mentioned to King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that he had fought against lions and bears. He fought against a giant Philistine warrior who was their champion and likely killed many men. We also learned that King Saul pursued him to kill him, but David narrowly escaped each time. David was also in several battles mentioned in the Bible. Perhaps the valley of the shadow of death is a place and time where a person's life is in so much danger that death is only a moment away. It's probably the scariest place a person can be. But David confidently says that he will fear no evil in that place. And how can he say that in the scariest of scary places? For you or God are with me. Personally, I would love to be able to confidently say this just as David did, but I can't. Um, how, how can a person like David say this then? Only by fully trusting that the Lord has their life in his hands. I'm convinced, uh, I'm convicted, excuse me, I'm convicted in my faith is challenged when I read this verse because I want to fully trust in the Lord like this someday. 
but it's not something that happens overnight. When we go through trials of many kinds in this life, James 1 through through 4 tells us that these tests produce perseverance and help our faith to be mature. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 8, 28 that reads, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So basically, even if our skies grow dark, we know that God is with us and is ultimately working for our good. I'm sure that David, of all people, understood this quite well. God's rod and staff at the end of verse four represent God's authority. Going back to lightning, God is a shepherd. A shepherd would use a rod or staff for guiding, protecting, and rescuing sheep. But for us to take comfort in God's power and authority, we need to understand and recognize that he is over all things. He's not just the God that we turn to when things go wrong, but he is in control over all circumstances. When we believe that God is in control, we can be comforted like David. So what does it mean for the Lord to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies? In preparing a table, David is certainly talking about preparing food for um, a uh, like a banquet. So we know that banquets were set for many purposes, including special occasions, such as concluding treaties. Although it's difficult to know if David was talking about the Lord's banquet is in heaven or for some other occasion. I'm just likening this to having a good friend over for dinner. So if, if you or I prepare some delicious food and invite a friend over to join us in eating together, we certainly enjoy that person's company and want that friend to understand how we feel about him or her. Preparing a nice, feel, uh, a nice meal rather, and having your friend over honors him or her. And I believe David felt honored by the Lord in the same way. But this isn't just an honor bestowed upon David. It was also in the presence of his enemies, making it that much sweeter. As we heard in 1 Samuel a few weeks ago, uh, the Lord delivered David from King Saul. And even King Saul in front of his own commander and select soldiers in 1 Samuel 26, 25 had to admit, David, my son, you will do great things and surely triumph. As this didn't just happen with David, but uh, with others who trusted in the Lord for deliverance, such as Daniel, Esther, Hezekiah, and others. I understand that in the ancient world, it was customary treatment of an honored guest at a banquet to anoint him or her with oil. Of course, David was actually anointed with oil by the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 13, to be the future king of Israel. But I believe David is likening this to being an honored guest at the Lord's banquet. With all this, David says that his cup overflows. So what kind of cup is he talking about? The cup or cup of God's wrath mentioned by the prophets in the Bible is something you definitely don't want to drink. The symbolism of a cup is also mentioned by Jesus when the mother of James and John asked him to put both of her sons at Jesus' right and left side in his kingdom. And Jesus re responded by asking them, can you drink the cup I'm, about, I'm going to drink? Jesus also, in a very fervent prayer, asked his Abba Father if he might take this cup of wrath away. But this certainly isn't a negative view of a cup that David mentions. I imagine David holding a cup and the Lord steadily pouring all kinds of blessings into it until it is full. And even after it is full, the Lord keeps pouring into the cup until it starts to spill over onto the ground. And David is so surprised seeing the Lord continuously pouring and how much love, grace, and blessing the Lord has for him that he only wishes he had a bigger cup to contain all of it. 
And finally, verse six wraps up this psalm in a final and conclusive note. As children of God, his goodness and love will be with us during all our days on this earth. This thought really warms my heart on the coldest of days. And it's a comfort for us, not just in this life, but for eternity or forever, as David says in the latter part of this verse. This reminds me of the modern song taken from Psalm 8410, which goes, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Do you hear that song in your head now? <laughs> also in 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. To know that we will be with the Lord, our Heavenly Father, righteous King, and the Lord of love, and all things good for all eternity should give us both comfort and hope. I don't know exactly what it will be like, but I know it's going to be better than anything I've experienced here on this earth, and it's going to be for a very, very long time. And this also, of course, ties into the sermon that we just heard yesterday, where we heard that heaven is not just a final destination, but the present motivation. So again, tying us all back to what uh, Suman originally said on Psalm 23, it is a psalm of comfort indeed. It's one where a person who loved God and trusted in his words and promises found comfort in knowing God's love and that he would always be there. May you and I find comfort in the same way this week. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know that um, that, that things are, are so difficult for us sometimes. Uh, you know the kind of struggles that we deal with. Um, even I know that there are, are people joining us now that are um, that are lacking, that are that are frustrated, that are um, in in dire need. And uh, Father, I just pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to to look up to heaven uh, for our comfort for um, for our guide, for peace, Father. Please help us, Father, just to, uh, to comfort in times where we feel that we're alone, in times where we really need you, Father. I know that you're there, Father. Help us to, to have that sense of peace and comfort as David did when he wrote this psalm. We praise you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name.